This is the Wonder Life Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Ritter. Each week, I interview game changers, thought leaders, and functional health and wellness experts to inspire us to light up our lives so we can go out and light up this world. You may follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wonder Health, and that is Wonder with a U. I would love to give a shout out to one of our Gut Check Summit and Wonder Life Wellness and Beauty Expo partners, Uninhibited Wellness. They inspire living through adventure. Their goal is to help career-minded women create exciting and healthy lifestyles through adventures, whether it's coaching programs or trips. They want women to live their most confident, powerful, and happy life. They are an amazing company. Check them out at the Gut Check Summit here in Fort Collins, Colorado, on April the 6th, 2019, at the Lincoln Center, where you will get the legit guide to your gut health and how it affects everything. This week on the Wonder Life Podcast, I interviewed Janine Martin Horst. She is with the Nutritional Therapy Association as a nutritionist and a teacher. She specializes in women's issues, thyroid conditions, and was truly enlightening, inspiring for me to talk about what's going on with all these people on the planet who are having autoimmune issues, how they can eat right for their autoimmune condition and put those autoimmune conditions in remission. Regardless if you have anything going on with your thyroid or not, this is a great listen. I truly hope you enjoy the show today. Um, Well, welcome to the Wonder Life podcast. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I'm thrilled to have you. I'm really excited um, to talk to you, Janine, because you are passionate about the same things, at least in this realm of health that I am. Um, And so you are focusing on women's health Mm -hmm. and specifically around autoimmune issues and gut health. Um, How did you get so excited about this part of the journey you know it started with my own health and um just being ill basically for a good chunk of my life and not getting good answers other than like here's a pill or you know let's take out this organ or let's do this procedure and um after my first son was born he was nearly 13 after he was born my health just took a bigger nosedive. And so I finally just started researching and exploring on my own to kind of figure things out. And that led me to nutrition first to like the Weston Price Foundation and then the GAPS diet and sort of just that whole ancestral health world. Um, Eventually got an autoimmune diagnosis myself um, after years of being asked to be tested, um, and learned I had Hashimoto's, um, so autoimmune thyroiditis and we're twins. Yeah. (laughs) It happens to so many women. Like that story is so common when I tell it that people are like, Oh yeah, I've had that. Um, so yeah, so food has just been a miracle for me. 
and that whole thing. And at some point, um, I learned about Nutritional Therapy Association was like, yeah, those are my people. This is how I can help other people figure out the same things I've figured out. And yeah, the rest is history. Here I am. <laughs> I love it. So what do you think is happening? What What is happening when what, when once a woman has a baby and then that sends us into this tailspin with our thyroid? You know, so many things are going on there. You know, first you just grew a human, right? And you just gave like they all the your- life out of you. Yeah, you gave all your reserves to them, right? Like fatty acids and vitamins and minerals. I mean, they, we just give so much of that to that baby. And most of us are going into that pregnancy already deficient. I know I was, you know, I had all these health concerns leading up to my first pregnancy that I talked to doctors and other practitioners about, and they were all like, oh, you're fine. Just have a baby. It's no big deal. Um, but anyway, so I went into it deficient and out of balance and then gave that all gave my all to my first and so there was that um there's that stress of just that big transition of having a baby and not getting enough sleep and we had a lot of breastfeeding issues that were connected to my health concerns and my deficiencies and some of his deficiencies um, so that was a stress on top of that. And probably Good question. So I didn't produce, like, I hardly produced any milk for my babies. Is that tied to autoimmune? Um, or can it be? Well, it can be tied to the thyroid in particular. Lord have mercy. So I probably had this go. I mean, I really think I've been having this going on since I was like 13. Yeah. No one ever, you know, said anything. But that's so interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, so hypothyroid can reduce your ability to produce milk. So with me and my son, we had that perfect storm of the hypothyroid, um, the postpartum period, all those things I mentioned, the deficiencies, the stress, plus the hormonal transition from being progestin dominant in pregnancy to estrogen dominance after pregnancy is a big trigger for a lot of women who have autoimmune thyroid to bring them into an autoimmune flare. So no one called it that, but now I've gone through it twice, two pregnancies that happened both times. I just, that is a big trigger for me. I tend to go, you know, have my antibodies raise really high after pregnancy. So all of that can contribute to poor milk supply. Plus both my kids were born with tongue ties, which means that they're not able to transfer milk as effectively and so if milk's not being transferred that doesn't you know signal the mom's body to produce enough so kind of like perfect storm of my issues and their issues isn't it Uh, amazing how you know there i heard that the baby's microbiome and the mother's is the same until the which makes sense but it's like they don't have their own until they come out and then they still have yours in there Right. Yeah. Wild. Can you, um, just for people who don't know, and honestly, I feel like I talk about it and I don't even fully know what is the frigging antibody? Like, what does it mean? Cause right now I am working on bringing mine down. They have been super high and like, I kind of feel like I know what that means, but I kind of don't. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I'm continuing to learn about too, but basically, so the human body when we're, you know, when we're born and as we grow and develop, um, our immune system kind of gets trained. And there's certain parts of the immune system that do 
sort of respond to our own cells and like there's um, killer cells that we have that actually kill our own cells off. And that's a normal part, like cell, cell apoptosis, I think is like the big word, right? So some of our own cells should be being destroyed and killed and dying off and then being replaced part of like this natural process. So a little bit of autoimmunity, a little bit of that happening all the time is appropriate, um, but it should be kept in check. And if the immune system is imbalanced and calm enough and has its early training happens right, then it doesn't get out of control. But when all these different triggers that can happen, you know, has to do with our gut health, it has to do with um, what other viral and bacterial exposures we have, our stress levels, all sorts of things, our toxic burden. When those things get out of balance, then we get an immune system that starts attacking self too much. And instead of just focusing on, you know, the exterior um, invaders or threats that we meet every day in the world, it starts attacking ourself and breaking down tissue at too fast of a rate for us to recover from it. Okay. So, and so the antibodies, that's the part of our immune system. So, you know, we develop antibodies to illnesses that we've been exposed to, and that's our body's memory system, our immune system's memory system of how we relate to the things that enter into our body and like whether or not they're friend or foe. So it's when we develop that a memory that's recognizing some of our own tissues as foe rather than friend that autoimmunity becomes a problem. But anyone with an autoimmune condition will kind of swing with how many antibodies are currently present and attacking our own tissues. So if we work on bringing balance to our life and to our health, those levels will be lower and the tissue destruction will be lower and we can keep it at you know, a healthy place so that we don't continue to have the symptoms of our, whatever our autoimmune condition is. How did you get your antibodies to calm themselves down? Um, you know, a number of things have helped me through the years. So doing the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome diet, focuses on healing the lining of the gut, um, has been huge for me. Um, I believe it's Datis Karazin who first said it, but uh, Sarah Ballantine, I did their, her autoimmune paleo coach training, she was the first person I heard say it, was that um, uh, leaky gut has been found to be present in every autoimmune condition. Yes. Leaky gut is when we have inappropriate permeability in our gut wall, and it's letting too many things through. So poorly digested foods, viruses, toxins, all these things can pass through our gut wall that shouldn't be which sends our immune system into this big, huge alert stage of like, we have to deal with all these things that aren't, shouldn't be coming through. And that's one thing, one trigger that can send us to send the immune system to attack, you know, our own tissues when it shouldn't be just because of that high alert stage. Um, so, so, yeah. so go ahead. That's, yeah, that's the way you've explained it, honestly, is like, thank you so much. Because I mean, when someone tells me that my antibodies and God bless all the people listening, because I keep talking about it. 
and I will get, and as soon as it's done being high, I will stop talking about it. Um, but I, you know, it like scared the, it really scared the crap out of me when I was talking to a doctor and she's like, your antibodies are at 4,000. And I'm like, you know, and they've only increased like, but you know, part of the deal is that, and I, we love Western medicine. So I am not distant Western medicine at all. We need it. But so my endocrinologist never looked at the antibodies. Like I just was given levothyroxine and told go work out for an hour, run for an hour a day on the treadmill. Well, you know, um, Andrea Wool, she's been at the NTA conferences. Um, she's autoimmune strong. We just did a podcast with her. And like I love her so much for so many reasons, but just like the fact that like she's like, listen you probably can't go back to orange theory right now. You can work your way up there, but like me going to run on a treadmill actually sends me into a state of like illness. And so I don't, this, this wonder is all about focusing on us being resilient and how we can heal ourselves. So I'm not trying to be like down in the doldrums all the time, but it's like we, so many of us have these things going on and I just want to like figure out how we can, be in a better place. So leaky gut back to the whole leaky gut piece, like that disarms me. I'm like, I can handle that. Like I I can manage leaky gut and, and what I, and I am doing that now, but when I get this information it's like, well, go take the poop test and then we'll see. I'm like, well, I need to do something now. I don't want to wait. I, I, like that is concerning. Like that is crazy to me. So thank you for, for that piece. Yeah. And so where does the food come in? I mean, I know everybody is different, but how does the food come into play? Yeah. So the main goal with autoimmunity and diet is to think about removing stressors and strengthening our defenses. So bringing in therapeutic foods that are going to strengthen our gut and our health in a myriad of ways. So, you know, I've used two main therapeutic diets with my autoimmune condition. So the GAPS diet that I talked about, and then the autoimmune paleo diet has also helped me at various points. So can you break down the GAPS diet a little bit? Because I feel like I I know the bone broth piece or Mm -hmm. or meat broth. I mean, yeah, meat or bone broth, depending on the stage you're in. So the GAPS diet is a form of a specific carbohydrate diet that was developed by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride to work with her son's autism symptoms. Um, so the specific carbohydrate diet removes the any carbohydrate that is um, more than a single molecule. And it's, you know, it's molecular structure. It's, it's removing polysaccharides and um, disaccharides. And so you're trying to only eat carbohydrates that are monosaccharides. So what that removes is things like grains, um, starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes and potatoes. So sad. I love a potato so much. It is. And we're not saying that those aren't healthy foods. You're just saying for not right now. It's like, yeah, it's just right now, your body might not be digesting them or handling them very well. So we're just going to take a break from that. Um, same thing with some grains. Some people do fine on some grains. Um, legumes are limited on gaps to just a few and only at certain stages. Um, fruits, you're looking at eating the riper fruits because as fruit ripens, it has less starch and more, um, fructose sugars, um, which 
are the um, monosaccharides rather than the, the disaccharides. So the idea with that is that when we get some damage to our gut wall, one of the first things that could be problematic is digestion of starches. So just taking those out removes that stressor. We're not putting this burden on a body that can't digest those for a while. And then it's bringing in a whole bunch of therapeutic foods. So you mentioned the broth. So early stages, we would recommend meat broth because meat broth is, by, is taking mostly meat, maybe a little bit of bone. So like a whole chicken is what I tell people to think of. That's because it can be more meat than bone. Yeah. And you're only cooking it for like two to four hours. So, so oh, really? This is good information because I'm all about the meat broth. Like I drink it like it's mm -hmm. water. Yeah. And I think it tastes better, honestly. I mean, I love bone broth, whatever. But so two to four hours. This four hours. Is, so what happens if you cook it too, like much longer? So, well, one thing, the meat gets kind of stringy and gross. I mean, that's just a aesthetic thing. <laughs> but um, longer cooking broth is going to develop more glutamates and histamines and their other amines that are not necessarily problematic um, for some people. But for some of us in our early stages of healing, they can be a little too stimulating. Like um, when your gut gets some of that damage and inflammation and your immune system's on high alert, you can already have a high histamine load in the body. Yeah. So eating high histamine foods can contribute to that and make you feel worse. Yeah. Um, same thing with glutamate. So glutamate, like natural forming glutamates, we have up here about L-glutamine as yeah. an amino acid. It can actually be really healing to the gut, but it also can be kind of stimulating to the nervous system. Okay. So it's just keeping those a little bit low in the beginning. Later on, you could transition to the bone broth, which would be more bone and cooking longer. So this is where, if you're familiar with like the Weston Price Foundation, they talk about cooking bro broth like 24, even 48 hours. Yeah, that's usually and, what I do with that. Yeah. And so that's drying out even lots of the collagen and minerals from the bone and everything. So it does have additional nutrients that we want, but it has that higher level of histamine and glutamate. That, I am like in love with you because you are breaking it down so a real person can like, I need, I need it straight. I love this. Quick question for you. So sorry to interrupt, but um, you know, I, what about the Instant Pot? I mean, should you, because I got one and I, I'm in love with it. Um, and it really makes things fast. And so I've been doing my broth in there, but should I be doing this on the stove, bringing that heat up to boil it and then bringing it right down so that it can chill? Like, does it, do you think the pressure is okay or no? You know, I haven't seen too many people looking into it. Well, you know, I haven't seen anybody looking into like the glutamate histamine question with the instant pot. So I don't know if I can answer that. I have heard people claiming that the pressure will actually oxidize the fats that might be in there a little bit less, so it could actually be maybe better. Um, I do think not, Dr. Natasha talks about cooking things more gently, especially in the early stages. So you could try, like, you could use your Instapot, just bring it oh, up Jesus. to a simmer and put it on slow cooker. Okay. That is I know a lot of people listening are in, like, love a good Instant Pot. I, I love mean, mine. Yeah. Seriously, like meat has been kind of grossing me out though. Like I love broth. So I don't really like want to eat it. And I think it's just processing, 
But I made a roast for my family last night and my husband like seriously cried because it was so good. I mean, the Instant Pot is, this is not a, they are not a sponsor yet, but like it is such an amazing thing. I mean, especially for the busy world that we live in. It's like, I was like, should I be doing something more to be cooking my dinner? Um, No, we we use our Instant Pot all the time. I mean, for cooking beans and legumes, for cooking our broth, for I even make um, elderberry syrup in there. There's so many things you can do with it. You're brilliant. That elder, look at you. Yeah. I would like to make some sort of a paleo cake in there. Um, oh, I've never done that sort of stuff. I, kn- I know. I haven't either, but I know you can. Um, and yeah. So, okay. So sorry about the infomercial for Instant Pot, but it's so awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So we can begin to heal and seal our gut using the GAPS diet. And there's various phases of that, depending on where you are. Now, should we be working with our practitioner to figure out where we are in that process? Or can people just adopt that? Um, I did it it without any practitioner. And this was 2009. And I just read the book and I did it. I would say there's so many resources now out there that people are probably going to have an even easier time than I did. What practitioners can help you do. So I'm a GAPS practitioner in addition to being a nutritional therapist. Um, what they can help you do is really troubleshoot it. Like, so if you run into, you know, problematic symptoms along the way, or you're not feeling like you're able to advance through the various stages, um, or for some reason, something needs to be adapted, they can really help you with that. Um, one thing that I found, you know, after I did it and cause I did it before I started my NTA training, um, so the GAPS diet emphasizes a lot of fats nice. and you know, good proteins, which are fantastic, but not everybody's digestive system is ready for those. Yeah. Some people can, they're, cause they're not digesting their fats well. If you've got a poorly functioning gallbladder, if your liver's burdened, if you've had your gallbladder removed, that can especially influence how you digest your fats. Yeah. So sometimes people start GAPS and they feel really terrible right? Because the body's not ready for some of those foods. So there's some ketogenic factors in there because keto is high fat, right? Yeah. And I did a little bit of keto and I was like, I feel terrible. And then I found out for autoimmune, not the best idea. So different, but it's different. It's different. Yeah. So the GAPS diet is not limiting um, your vegetables necessarily. You can have things like winter squash to bring in some more higher carb vegetables. Um, you're going to be at certain stages doing press, um, fresh pressed juices, vegetable juices. That's going to bring. So it's not the aim isn't really to be low carb, but it is to bring. You are bringing in those good protein and fats. Um, so like the way I work with some people, you know, I might help them figure out some supplements to support their digestion so that they can handle that better. Um, But yeah, some people do accidentally go too low carb and with autoimmunity, especially with thyroid disorders, like you're saying, that can be a problem because it's going to sort of downregulate your thyroid even more. Um, So that would be another thing that you could explore with a practitioner is like how many carbs you need to keep in. I have had success with some people adapting the GAPS diet to include sweet potatoes for just a little bit of starch. Some people respond really well to that. Um, and that kind of brings in my training from the autoimmune paleo diet, which the goal of that one is to 
it, well, it's similar. It's that reducing stressors, strengthening weaknesses, but its focus really is around removing anything that's going to be um, an autoimmune trigger or sort of immune stimulating food. So it is going to keep some of those starches that gaps would eliminate. That's one difference between the two, but you're going to take a break from things like nightshades, which can be an inflammatory trigger for some people and an autoimmune trigger. Um, so nightshades would be tomatoes, eggplant, potatoes. That is so sad. I mean, I love a tomato and a potato so much. And I know it's not forever, but like, yeah. Oh, I miss them. I, yeah, when I did AIP, I certainly miss them. Um, <laughs> other things AIP is going to look at eliminating is all seeds of any kind. So that's your grains, your legumes, um, your seed-based spices even. And again, like I miss cumin so much. That was like one of the first things I reintroduced. I'm I, try to think I just it Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What, like what, so what do the grains and seeds do? Um, so the basic thing to remember with a seed is that its goal in life is not to feed you. Its goal is to be planted and to re reproduce, to grow another plant. And so... Seeds have defenses that um, help ensure that they'll stay intact as they go through our digestive system. Because that's one way that seeds are like spread around the world is like an animal right. eats them and then they poop them and then they grow. Um, but some of those chemical defenses that a seed has um, can have immune stimulating properties. Is this the whole piece around the lectin? Is lectins and phytates and yeah, all of that stuff. So, you know, in a healthy, balanced human body, it's really not a problem. There's even some thought that some of those things are bring this little bit of a healthy stress on the body that's really good for our immune system. It's just when we're in maybe an active autoimmune flare, that extra stress on your immune system is just topping up your